0: This is Josie Brown with Author Provocateur. My guest today is the prolific suspense novelist Deborah Webb, a USA Today and Publishers Weekly best-selling author with over 130 books to her name. Deborah's latest novel, The Secrets We Bury, is the first in a new romantic suspense series whose protagonist, Dr. Rowan Dupont, formerly a Nashville Police Department's forensic psychologist, also happens to be an undertaker's daughter. Rowan, who comes from a small town in Winchester, Tennessee, is haunted by the mysterious drowning death of her twin sister. Between her mother's subsequent suicide and the recent murder of her father, returning to Winchester to run the funeral home feels fitting, even if it leaves her vulnerable to an obsessive serial killer. Deborah Webb, it is so exciting to have you on with me here at Author Provocateur.
1: I'm so excited to be here. You're a very special lady to me. Not only a talented writer, but a fabulous friend. (laughs) You've got that
0: right, dear. You have got that right. Well, I have to tell you, I am very, very, very excited about this book. Um, But I do have, I want to throw something at you real quick about it. You know, you've got your heroine, Rowan DuPont. She's formerly a psychiatrist with the Nashville Police Department's Homicide Division, and now she's running her deceased father's funeral home. Uh, Her life is just steeped in tragedy. You know, you've got an unsolved murder of her twin sister, Raven, who disappeared after a party that Rowan begged her to skip because of her own dark premonitions about it. Next, Rowan's mother hangs herself, and then Rowan's father is murdered by her mentor, the psychiatrist, Julian Addington, who also was a a devious serial killer. And, you know, now because he got away, you have Rowan's, you know, there's a cloud of suspicion hanging over Rowan. (laughs) I mean, I can't think of a crueler plot to put your protagonist in.
1: <laughs> I do love to torture them.
0: Yes. Yes. Why lady? Why? Why? You know, tell me how you, how you think, how do these things come to you? I mean, uh, you know, all of this, all of this, the reader learns, I would say, you know, within the first chapter and a half, you, and you, you kind of uh, let it unfold like the layers of an onion, but at the same time, you're feeling you're feeling your heart goes out to her immediately. So tell me about how you do that.
1: Well, I don't <laughs> it's kind of hard to to explain, I guess. I just do it instinctively, I think. Um, I've loved telling stories since I was a little girl. My grandmother was a great storyteller to me, and my brother she just loved telling stories, literally sitting on the porch telling stories. and so I've always done that and there's one of the things that i realized early on was that the story no matter how great the plot it's really about the people it's is that's what really keeps people remembering the story you know i, I often say that when you think about um uh, gone with the wind you don't you don't think as much about what the plot is as you do the, those characters they just stay with you or like wizard of oz or any of the great great Um, movies or stories that that you've read. And so that's what I try to do is I try to come up with uh, multidimensional characters and put them in situations since I write suspense that are difficult to overcome. And um, every time one thing gets solved, something else pops up. So it's kind of just, uh, and and I've done it for so long now. I've written so many suspense novels. It kind of comes... um, Pretty much automatically to me, but I do think if you're a new writer and you're starting out with suspense, is you may have to go back over and over and layer in the different aspects of your character.
0: Right, right. And, you know, in, in this particular book, um, you give the reader a lot, but then you pull back a little and you also allow other bits of knowledge to come into play. Uh, for example, uh, we know that she had this this wonderful mentor some through through her own uh, education in psychiatry, uh, Julian Addison. Um, but when she discovers he is a serial killer and she is she's also under suspicion because she was so close to him and didn't know so much about him that you know, of course the cops are concerned about that. They feel that she's not giving them everything that they can to find this, this, this killer who has gotten away. Um, his, his own personality is very complex. How, you know, how did you do your research about someone like him? How did you come up with him? He, he's a very smart, he's a very smart serial killer. He's not somebody who is doing it willy nilly. He's very planned. Um, tell me about your own process for creating him.
1: Well, first of all, because I wanted um, Rowan to be a very strong, uh, ambitious, determined, intelligent woman, in order to have someone fool her for so many years, he had to be brilliant. So that was the first thing. I knew it had to be someone who was brilliant. And then I realized that he couldn't only just be brilliant. He had to be very practiced at what he does. So he had to have a long history of doing this. So this is why I I gave him this, you know, many, many things he's done in the past that I won't go into, Um, but I think that was important. It was important that he be very, very smart um, because I never wanted this discovery she makes to make her look any less than, you know, incredibly intelligent herself. So he needed to be very, very intelligent and very, very cunning. And he is the kind of person that, you know, we... People say you never really know a person. You know, you, you don't know everyone's secrets. And I guess that's probably true because we all, no matter how kind we are, or how friendly we are, or how well we um, become friends with someone, there's always, I suppose, some aspect of our personality that we keep to ourselves or something we know we keep to ourselves. And we just don't think about that. It never enters our mind. And, and so, in this uh, book in particular, I think that was really important was to to give these characters things that no one else knew.
0: Right. Right.
1: And, and, and I just I, I think that's what helped make him who he was, was he had to have all these big secrets, but he had to be um, very, very good at hiding them, not just your average Joe. <laughs> I hope I can't have hide secrets that badly, because what would it say about you? <laughs> right, exactly. But I mean, he's just very, very, very cunning.
0: And also, the way you've structured the book, we learn more about him and his secrets as we get closer to the end of the book. Um, and I'm not going to give anything yes. away. I know you don't want to give away any of right. the plot points either. Placing Rowan back at her family business, which happens to be a small-town funeral parlor. You give her an added feature that plays off of what she did for the Nashville police, which is, you know, she was a forensic psychologist. I like the way that she knows enough about what, you know, about police procedure to recognize something that has happened to one of the deceased that ends up in her own funeral parlor. She notices that the coroner may have made a mistake as to the cause of death. He has it down as an accident, when in fact, it's possibly a murder. Could you explain to the readers your research for Rowan in that capacity? By that, I mean, as a forensic psychologist, and then also in the funeral industry?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, I've uh, had a couple of characters who've been um, in the field of psychology. So I've, I've done quite a bit of research um, as far as the type of education and the type of work they might do and the experience and, and that kind of thing. So that was a little easier for me to do than the funeral home. Uh, I've never had a character who uh, ran a funeral home. So I had to do quite a bit of um, um, research in that you know uh, regard as far as how everything is done and uh, The way that folks would, especially in a small town family operated business uh, that would be perhaps a little bit uh, more casually operated than than a big city uh, chain operation or something like that. So there was a lot of um, research in terms of going to places like that. And the one that inspired me was one actually in Winchester that I used to see all the time because, you know, I grew up in a small town. Right. And most of the, not in Winchester, but nearby, but we lived near Winchester for 15 years. And, you know, the way funerals were done back in the day was a little different in the small towns than it is nowadays, especially, and uh, particularly in the bigger cities. So it was interesting to me to see the way people handled things and the more uh, one-on-one kind of, well, I I know everybody in this town, so they're like family. So that was important too. And one of the things I wanted to show with Rowan was I wanted her to be the sort of person who kind of reads the language of death, which is a a book I have her, that she has written in this story. story. And uh, I want her to look at the body like a book, like an open book that's telling her a story. And so that's the way I went about it. So when she looks at a body, perhaps she looks at it a little bit differently than your average um, county coroner or someone like that, because she's looking for the story, because the body, as we age or whatever happens to us in our life, our skin, the scars, the places where we've had surgeries, whatever, they tell a story about our life. And things that we've encountered in our life. And that's what she looks for. And I just thought that was a very interesting element to add uh, because we are kind of, each of us, is kind of like our own little roadmap of, of what, where our journey has been and, and that kind of thing. I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, you bring up a, a, a good point and it was something that I picked up on too regarding um, small towns. Uh, you know, in big towns like New York or Chicago, the stories that are set there, particularly mysteries, thrillers, they you know, the settings, you know, align themselves with the darkness or the dangerousness of that particular big city. You know, at the same time, you know, because everybody in small towns seem to know each other, their habits, their family histories, their past mistakes, there, there's room for menace there as well. And um, that's right. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to to ask you, um, what is your process for looking at the darkness of a small town like Winchester or the light of it as well?
1: Well, as I said, when I was a little girl, my grandmother was a oh, great influence and she told all sorts of stories about her childhood, and stories she had heard. And they almost always had some sort of um, dark element like the person she knew who was very alive and things of that nature that things that happened more than 100 years ago much more frequently frequently than they would now <laughs> um, but also uh, when I was a little girl um, up on that mountain where I grew up we didn't have a lot of uh, television channels but we had every Saturday night Um, this television show called Shock Theater would come on. And then, of course, I was a huge African Hitchcock fan. So, I I mean, I just grew up devouring stories like that, whether, you know, on the television or in books, uh, about that sort of darkness that can be in that average person that maybe you wouldn't expect it to be. So I think I kind of um, um, was inspired a great deal that way. And also, you can't grow up at all living on a farm where your daddy grazes pigs and, and every time the school bus passes, everybody on the bus goes, oh, well, there's, <laughs> there's where Deborah lives. <laughs> and I mean, there are things that happen in your childhood that are painful that you can oftentimes look back to and turn into something far more menacing than what you know the bad smell coming from the big pig barn was. But I mean, they, they make you feel, the things that happen to you in childhood that are not necessarily pleasant give you a feeling that you can um, you can take that feeling and just really multiply it. Right. And (laughs) that darkness. I think that, and I think we all as writers do that kind of thing is we look back even subconsciously to something that's happened to us and make it maybe more sinister, especially for sense, uh, suspense writers and far more uh, complicated and painful perhaps. than it actually was, but it gives us a starting place. It gives us a seed to, to water, to get growing into this big thing we need it to be.
0: Right, right. Uh, And you're right. Uh, Childhood does multiply, accentuates it so much more. Even when you're an adult, you, you, you remember it the way a child would remember it. And I love the way you have Rowan now back in her you know in the home that she grew up with which is also a funeral parlor you know <laughs> right. and she has to pass you know certain places within her home where tragedy struck or and 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 it's multiplied you know so much more in her in her brain because of that and um yes. you know you've built the suspense in this book you've you've layered it very nicely i um you know <laughs> I was I was more concerned. I actually looked up Winchester, Tennessee, and I was like, oh, my God, there's like eight thousand two hundred people. Well, you know, I, I grew up in a small town. I grew up in Kennesaw, Georgia, and then we moved to a small town here, even though it's literally across from San Francisco, Sausalito and Sausalito only has. Well, now it has about—it's the size of Winchester, <laughs> you know. But we have an influx of tourists every day that doubles it. But but then, it, you know, when you move into a small town, they have dirty little secrets all over the place. Right. You know, it doesn't matter it where you a are.
1: Very very lovely town good <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure i have many of the people who live there are going to books and say well, we don't have anybody just like that but you you know you, um, you place your characters in a great place you know and um winchester is a wonderful little town it's very southern but it's also got a little bit of that western flair to it and i just it's a very very nice town. A lot of good people there.
0: Well, I think you 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 did it wonderful justice. You you certainly drew a beautiful picture of the of the people there, and and how it looks as a town. And you know, if they see something dark, there, maybe maybe <laughs> they do know somebody like that. <laughs> well, I'll
1: never tell. You. Right.
0: <laughs> now um, this is. The third book in your Harlequin Intrigue,
1: Winchester, Tennessee series. Um, well, actually, this is the um, um, it's the first book in the Undertaker's Daughter series ah. uh, for Mira. I'm sorry, I confused you with all it's, it's, it is It is. Sometimes I do things very complicated. <laughs> but I actually also write the Harlequin Entry. Right. And so I did kind of a spin-off ah. um, with the Winchester, Tennessee thrillers. And so I'm doing those in the Entry, Harlequin Entry line, And then the um, the Mira books will be the um, bigger books. Um, but they're, they're set in the same place. They're all set in Winchester. Ah. Um, and, and you'll hear something about Rowan in, in all the little books. And so... This will be the first big book in the Undertaker's Daughter um, series. And now there was, um, a, right now, there is a um, prequel, short story. Oh, well, it's a no, novella-length um, book out, uh, ebook that you can order if you'd like to read it. And also, uh, Mira is including it in the print edition of the first book, The um, Secrets We Buried. So I'm really excited about that. I and think then, that's great.
0: That's I a mean, good way... September,
1: yeah, coming in September will be the the lives we tell which will uh, be the second big book but there'll also be a couple more uh, Winchester Tennessee thrillers coming out from Harlequin intrigue so maybe it won't get too confusing <laughs> but it all is it, you know it, it'll stay with that same theme of the funeral home is central to the town and that kind of thing um
0: and in in the in the uh, mirror v- series uh, mm-hmm. in which this is the first and then of course in September the second will launch um are it it will all will it it will always follow Rowan, correct? Correct. Good. I love her as a series character. And I know oh, there are there are series that also kinda of like, you know, like it's series in name, but it's an offshoot character versus but this one is going to be her series.
1: This is Rowan's series. She'll be there were going to be three of the Big Mirror books in the Undertaker's Daughter. Series, so they they will all be Rowan's books, Rowan and uh, Billy Branigan. So
0: perfect, perfect. Um, you know, I have to say, you are one of the most prolific authors uh, out there, in <laughs> seriously, and you are also one of the most prolifically good authors in the suspense genre. Um, well, thank you. Well. You blow me away. You always have. I I, I (laughs) so appreciate. I appreciate what you do in that genre. Um, Give the number one tip that you would give to a suspense writer.
1: Focus on what you want to do. Um, I think that's one of the things. I, um, I mean, I've had about 150 books published in my career and I've loved every one of them. But I, one of the things I did not do um, is I didn't stay focused on one thing. I've, I've written a number of books in um, uh, slightly different genres than suspense. And, and that's okay because I've enjoyed doing it. But I do feel like that if you're starting out, that it's better um, for your career in the long run if you stay focused on, on what you're you like to write and what you really intend your career to be about so that they when they say your name they'll know this is what that person writes you know so I think that's important and I, I think I might would do that a little differently if I were starting over again as I would um, stay a bit more focused on the, the stories I do best which I feel like are my suspense stories as I say I've written a number of. Of, of different types of books, like my Jackie Mercer book, which I love so much. It was kind of a women's fiction, kind of a right. cross between Sex and the City and Desperate Housewives. And I love the, <laughs> the character, and, and I think I did it fairly well, but it just, my audience, that wasn't what they wanted from me. So I think I would have been far, I, my career would be better if I kept strictly to what I do best. And I think that's what anyone going into the business should really sharpen their focus and work on what they do well and stick with that.
0: Right, right. I think that's sound and sage advice. And I know we all like to wander and hear our voices in different places. But I think you're right. I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, feed the beast, being our readers, and also feed your family. <laughs> oh, yes, very good point. <laughs> you know, it, take what you do well and just and go 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 for it is the way I see it. I agree with you there. Well, Deborah, you you're always a pleasure to talk to. I have to say. Well,
1: Thank you. You too. I can't mm-hmm. wait to get back to San Francisco and, and hey, touring with you. <laughs>
0: yes, we're going next time we're going to leave everybody else behind if they got sore feet and you and I are just going to take off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: such a beautiful
0: city. Well, thank you. And I I look forward to your tour of your town, but I think we'll skip Winchester's (laughs) funeral parlor. (laughs) (laughs) Deborah Webb's latest suspense novel, The Secrets We Bury, is in bookstores now. This is Josie Brown with Author Provocateur.